Happy Friday, everybody, or day after 4th of July. I'm sure some of you are still recovering from last night's activities, if you will. But appreciate you being here for this last day of our theme week. We've had a good time on Monday, giving you life in the NFL. Then we celebrated Texans Top 100 Moments. Then we had our podcast celebration. Then we had Great Americans yesterday and today. It's the Leadership Council, and that means coaches. You get a chance to hear from the Texans coaches which is going to be fun stuff. Mark Vandermeer and I in this studio have had a chance to catch up with a good number of coaches, and we will have that for you today. Got a couple of Johns you'll hear from, John Pagano and John Perry, Carl Smith, quarterback's coach, which is one of our most fun interviews that we did. But We kick off the show with the venerable, the man who has seen it all, man with Super Bowl rings. I think he's got more Super Bowl rings than everybody in this building combined. Super Bowl appearances with the Giants, with the Patriots, Romeo Cronell has done it all. And every year, keep this in mind, every year that Romeo Cronell has been the defensive coordinator, the Texans have finished with more than nine wins. They were the number one defensive league in 2016. Last year they were, I can't remember if they were the best run defense in the league, but they were pretty darn close. Romeo Cronell has been around. He's seen it all. But what I love about him is the fact that he's willing to adapt, to change, The game's changing. He's got to change. He's got to adapt, and he's done that. We had a great time talking to defensive coordinator. Romeo Cronell joining us in the Hyundai Texans radio studio. Coach, I want to start in a different area. You've been in this a long time. How do you spend that time between minicamp and training camp, that little break right there? Because it's really the only one you guys get. So what do you do to recharge? Do you unplug? How do you handle that? Uh, I try to recharge. Uh, like everybody else does, but my wife usually takes charge of it for me. <laughs> it's the same for everybody. Yeah, yeah exactly. The boss. <laughs> yeah, the boss. And, and so I go where the boss tells me to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes we try to get away. Other times uh, we go visit family, friends, and that kind of thing. And so uh, this year I'll probably be visiting a little bit more than maybe I want to. Mm-hmm. But but it all it's all good. Coach, when you've been calling defense in the leagues for a while, and you obviously have a system that works. We've seen it work. We've seen it work in different places. We've seen it work with different personnel. But you still get the doodling on napkins and saying, hey, I think this might work, or hey, what if we tweak this? Are you still, do, you, do you still think that way, or do you want to think that way, kind of adding little new pieces as you go along to your defense? Yeah, I think you have to because offensively they're adding little pieces and, yeah. and they're trying to stop what you're doing. And so if they're doing something that stops with what you're doing, then you got to find out if I do this because they're doing that, I might get a guy free, you know. And so if you can get a guy free, then you impact the quarterback. So you have to do it a little, a little bit and think about what ifs. And uh, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't work. Romeo Cornell joining us. During OTAs and minicamp, what are you looking for on your side of the ball without pads, without the hitting? I know you can see coverages. What are you focusing on? Well, we have to have communication. That's a big part of our uh, system. And guys have to know the job, then have to be able to communicate you know, what they know to other guys that they're working with on the defense. And so I'm looking for guys who can communicate, who can know what to do, and then execute. That's that's one thing. And then you, you look at talent to see who has talent, who has quickness, who can change direction, you know, and, and the things like that, particularly on the back end from the skill guys. The guys up front, 
it's a little bit more difficult, you know, in OTAs because you're in shorts and most of those guys can look good in shorts. Um, and But when you put the pads on, that's when those guys, uh, their evaluation picks up because now it's hitting and it's contact and the techniques that you've been talking to them about in, in shorts, they have to execute in pads and it becomes a little bit tougher. Coach, when I think about communication, Bernardrick McKinney is a guy that I think about a lot because he's talking to the back, he's talking to the front, he's getting guys lined up. And I think back to, I don't know if it was his first start, I think he got thrown in because there was an injury or so, he got thrown into the Colts game in 2015 when he was a rookie. And I just remember him kind of running around wild, like not totally sure what to do. But now you see him four years later going into, what is his fifth year now? And he's kind of a seasoned, salty veteran. But when you see a guy like that, are you guys on the same communication wavelength that he's been running the defense for a while, so he knows what you're thinking? What's it like to have a player that's been in it for a while that kind of knows it like the back of his hand or should know it like the back of his hand like Bernard McKinney? Well, the thing that helps it, it kind of makes him a coach on the field. Yeah. You know, because he can he knows what he has to do. He can communicate with other guys and help them remember what they have to do. Plus, he gives them tips about the offensive formation, the lineman set, uh, the backfield alignment, and all of those things, which which benefits somebody on the defense, yeah. you know. And so, uh, with him being able to do all of that uh, and and present that information, you know, out there on the football field, I think that that helps us. And then he does know the defense, uh, well versed in it. You know, and, and like I mentioned to you earlier, rookies are rookies. <laughs> they yeah. make rookie mistakes. Of course. And, you know, and you can talk to them about it on the board, you know, and you can show them a film. But until they are in there on the field when the ball is snapped, you know, and that reaction time is you got to think fast and then you have to react fast. And uh, Bernardrick, he's to that point where he thinks fast and he reacts fast and he does a good job of running the defense. We had Zach Cunningham in here, and he just seems bigger in person. I guess it's the number, 41, that makes him on the field. Sort of, it hides him sometimes in that linebacker group, but he's made some big plays for you. What about his development, Coach? Uh, he's developing, and it's, I'm very pleased with it. You know, uh, he came from Vandy. And, you know, they're supposed to have smart guys there. Yeah, <laughs> no. yeah he is. He's a, smart, he's a smart player. And he's coming along, and he's helped us a lot because not only does he have size, he's become a physical player as well. He will take on guys mm-hmm. on blocks, beat blocks, and then he can run with backs out of the backfield. And so that combination is a great combination for us. Coach, we're in the 100th year of the NFL, and you've been around a lot of different players, and – and I wouldn't want you to, to – actually, I would. I'd love to be able to sit down and pick your brain and rank them all. But <laughs> coaching a guy like J.J. Watt, as you think about coaching him the last few years, what what is it – first of all, what is it that makes J.J. special? And where would you put him amongst the guys that you coach? Because you coach some of the great ones, including Lawrence Taylor with the Giants. Right. Well, J.J. Uh, – I love coaching J.J. because J.J. has that, that player mentality – that he wants to be the best, and he was he's willing to do whatever it takes to be the best. Um, on the field, off the field, during the season, during the off season, yeah. he's working to be the best all the time. And so I think that carries over to the football field and game day, and he wants to be the best on game day. So when you got that kind of attitude, you know, he's uh, he's willing – he learns in the classroom. He pays attention. He does all the things that a coach wants a player to do, the right kind of attitude. And so players like that, 
they don't come along every day, mm-hmm. you know. And so sometimes I've heard that they only come along once in a lifetime. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've I've been fortunate that uh, I've had two or three yeah. like him. Yeah, you know? of course. Uh, but I've been coaching a long time, so that makes a difference there. But but he's a joy to work with, uh, and he ranks up at the top with with the guys that I've coached, as you mentioned, Lawrence Taylor. Uh, he's one, and JJ, uh, they're up there on an equal level. Romeo Cornell joining us on Texans Radio. You've coached a long time, like Johnny said. We've established this, Coach. But what about the way practice is held, conducted, off-season, training camp during the season? It was different back in the day. So how has it been adjusting for you to the rules changes and just the way this game is coached and played? Well, one thing as a coach, you have to be flexible and you have to adapt, um, whether it's coaching style, uh, whether it's game day adjustment uh and so when they change the rules you have to be able to adjust to what the rules are you know uh it's different than what it used to be mm-hmm. um i mean you know we when training camp we would practice twice a day nine yeah. and three and then we'd meet at night and they didn't have any days off you know <laughs> uh, but now boom they get a day off and you can only practice once a day in pads and you know mm-hmm. those things but you know Player safety is part of it, and, and I understand that and appreciate that. Um, and the game is still a good game. You know, uh, the, the players still play hard. Um, and probably athletically and talent-wise, um, they are really good at, at their talent for their position. You know, so I, I think that helps the game. But uh, you get used to it and, and you go with it because you know that it's not changing. Right. Well, no more double days. That's yeah. just the most important thing. No more two days. Yeah. Those yeah. things are – if you've ever gone through two days, and there are a lot of you out there that haven't, even players now haven't gone through it, it's the worst, the worst there ever could be. Can I ask you one more uh, question just to reminisce very quickly? Texas Tech, you were there. What was it like being on that staff? I know it was a long time ago, but what are your recollections of being out there in Lubbock? Lubbock, Texas, double T. The Red mm-hmm. Raiders. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the Red Raiders because that was my first major college uh, mm-hmm. job that I had. Um, and I went out to Lubbock without taking a visit. I, I took the job over the telephone, and I'd never been to Lubbock. You know, and I'd been to Texas before because Dad was at uh, Fort Hood, okay, in, in mm-hmm. the Temple, Waco area. Colleen, I was up in there when I was young. But I go to Lubbock, and I remember getting off of the plane, there were no jetways, so you had to walk down the steps and walk across the tarmac. And the wind was blowing, and the wind was blowing all in my mouth. And you know, and I'm, I got dust in my mouth. All right, so I get inside, and then I get picked up. And driving down to the stadium, as we were driving down, there's a tumbleweed that blows across the road. I said to myself, "What have I got myself into?" <laughs> you know. But after I got situated and got used to the West Texas weather, uh, people are really nice. And we had su- success out there, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's a good experience. My youngest daughter was born there, and I'll always have good memories of Lubbock and Texas Tech. When a coach has been around for a while, especially when they've stayed in the NFL, it's always good to look at and go back and look at the history of a coach and, and where he came from. And I, and I think about Mike Holmgren a lot because Mike Holmgren's first job was as a tennis coach out in the Bay Area and he turned into one of the great coaches in the NFL and Romeo Cornell went to Texas Tech and has been at Texas Tech and you'll see a lot of that 
evolution of a coach's career, and it's it's always ah, this guy started as a junior high coach. I mean, one day when I'm in my 80s and I've gone back to coaching at some point, which won't happen, but everybody will say, yeah, he started off as a junior high coach at Episcopal High School in Jacksonville, Florida. And, you know, Romeo Cornell at one point went to Texas Tech, and that's kind of where his career took off because of his connection at that point with Bill Parcells. And obviously, we all know the history at that point. Goes to the Giants, takes over as linebacker's coach, Ends up moving to the Patriots as defensive coordinator with Bill Belichick. Wins championships, wins rings. Had a couple stints as a head coach in the NFL with the Browns and the Chiefs and then came to Houston as a defensive coordinator. And to me, he is such a valuable piece and such the right guy to be leading this defense. And looking forward to seeing what that group does in 2019 with Romeo Crennel at the helm. All right, another guy that has been around a little bit. Now, he just hasn't been around with the Texans all that much. Came into his first year with the Texans starting back in January, and that's Carl Smith, quarterback's coach. He'd been with Seattle. I can't even go into the number of places that he's been because it would take up this entire show. But he's coached guys like Chuck Fusina and Russell Wilson and Matt Leinart throughout his career, and now he gets to coach Deshaun Watson. We'll talk to Carl Smith next right here on Texans All Access. Welcome back to Texans All Access. Our theme week continues with the Leadership Council, i.e. the coaches. And we just spoke with Romeo Cornell from, or we had Romeo Cornell for you. We talked to him, I guess, back in June in and around the beginning of minicamp. And he's great. He's, he's so great to get a perspective on not just football, but defense, life, being married, all that kind of stuff. So Romeo Cornell was great to talk to. Now, a guy that we spoke with, Many months ago, as he got started here with the Houston Texans, was Carl Smith, quarterback's coach. Now, we knew a little bit about Carl because his son Tracy was a special team assistant to Brad Seeley. Tracy is phenomenal. He, I remember one time in training camp last year when Tracy was walking by me and he said, hey, John, special teams have been doing some good things too in training camp. And I was like, yeah. And I, at first I didn't get where he was going with that and I thought, Oh, yeah, my observations. I need to say something about the, the special teams. And he's kind of poking me, kind of kneeling me. But I loved getting a chance to know Tracy last year. And now his dad's on staff, Carl Smith. And we caught up with him earlier this offseason. What's important? How do you make it in this league? How do you make it as a pro? He has to be able to uh, survive in the jungle. So he has to be physical enough to play with the guys, uh, you know, against Jadavian Clowney, J.J. Watt. He has to be able to survive in that jungle. What does that entail? Because you got to keep your eyes downfield, you got to make throws, but you also have to keep your head on a swivel and avoid those kinds of contact situations. I mean, how do you read into that? I'm just looking for somebody who's athlete enough to play in the game. It's it's uh, you can look in uh, the NBA. It's like who's going to be able to you know college guards, right? right? The great college guards they can't play in the NBA. You know, they just they can't. You know, maybe two guys. Uh, they got to be able to be in there with LeBron and Steph and uh, uh, all the Rockets guys. And it's the same thing here. There's really good college quarterbacks coming out this year, right? And every year, there's 12 guys that come out. There's about two guys that make it every year, and they might make a team, but they're not going to start for, uh, for for your team. There's only a couple guys with enough physical talent to play so that's what i'm looking for i'm looking for somebody with the talent of um deshaun watson 
with the physical talent of Russell Wilson, uh, Drew Bledsoe, uh, on and on. What about the mental talent, though? How do you measure that or try to before they become pros? You watch them play in college. You can see that. Yeah, simple as that. Can they play? You're going to watch them. Coach, last year when you were with Seattle, and I know when you're, you're, you're dealing with your offense, did you get a chance to sneak a peek at Deshaun Watson, and what did you think of him when you got a chance to see him up close? Uh, I didn't see him much this year. We didn't play against him. And, Two years ago, uh, I guess, in 2017. Yeah, they, he killed us. <laughs> so, so it was good. But I had evaluated him coming out. I got to talk to him at the Combine. Very impressed. Uh, I still remember to this day some of his answers. Then we have film. We've, we filmed those games from last year. Yeah. So I've watched every one of them. It's fantastic. Bill O'Brien talks about your experience and, and working in a lot of different systems with a lot of different quarterbacks. And, and I, I find it really fascinating the different kinds of players you've worked with because they have different physical skill sets. But as you say, they can survive in the jungle. But let, let's go over some of these guys, if you will. Uh, you know, having worked in – I'm going to start here, Coach. I'm going way back. Yeah, I've got the whole list right here because I, I don't want to miss anything. I don't want to – and I'm not going to talk about Lamar or southwestern Louisiana – I'm going to talk about the Philadelphia Stars yeah, and Chuck yeah, Vucina. Yeah, yeah. You know I wanted to get to this. Yes. But back in the day, you worked at the USFL, and you were special teams coordinator, right, for the Philadelphia Stars? The first year I was, yes. Okay. What was that experience like? And, and being with that team, and that was the premier team in that league, which still gets a lot of retroactive respect. We are talking about the USFL. Yeah. You, guys, you know <laughs> you're I'm not kidding. You see how he did the that? The United States football. You know, nobody's listening to this. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, they are, believe but, me. But uh, I love talking about it. It was great because we were, I was there three years. I had the tight ends the first year on the special teams. Then I had the quarterbacks and wideouts. And the third year, I called the plays. No, the second year, I called the passes. <laughs> the uh, Jim Merkenbach, who's passed, hi, Jim. He'd, he'd be standing there, he'd be calling plays, and then he'd just hit me on the arm. All they, had to, pass. To, all they had to do to scout was just look over there. As soon as Jim hit me, it was like, I think it's a pass. <laughs> so I called the pass plays, and then, then somewhere in there, uh, after I think week four, we were losing at the start of the third year in the USFL, and uh, I had this look on my face, and Coach Mora, he was head coach time, I said, what? Well, if you've seen it, it's just a little bump <laughs> We threw into the wind, and now we've got the wind. We've called no passes, and, and it had four or five things. He said, okay, you're calling the placement. So okay, we did. Man. It was fantastic because, because we went to the championship game all three years, and year two and year three we won it. You know, we beat uh, Herschel Walker in the in the playoff game before the last, I think, uh, championship game. They didn't make it. It, it was fantastic. We won. How about this? I, this just dawned on me as we were talking. How many coaches, I don't think this, there's an answer to this, how many coaches could say they won championships at the USFL, which you did with the Baltimore Stars, mm-hmm. you won a college championship with USC? Yep. Although, does that still count? That's yeah, good enough. It's good enough. We're going to count it. You won a Super Bowl with the Seattle Seahawks. Yep. You've won a championship at every football league I think <laughs> there's been. I don't know that many coaches that can say that. If you add the – Wasco Tigers in the South Sequoia League and the Bakersfield College Renegades. I think that that's just me. That's just you. I mean, it can't be, it can't be, it can't be many others. As, as Mark alluded to, you coach different quarterbacks. You coach Chuck Fusina, kind of a, a pocket guy. Drew Bledsoe obviously had one of the strongest arms you've ever seen. You coach Matt Leinart when he was at USC. So you coach you know pocket guys, and then all of a sudden you're in Seattle and you get a, you get a guy like Russell Wilson. 
who, when the ball is snapped, that's when the fun begins. How different was it dealing with a guy like Russell that could do some different things that maybe the other quarterbacks couldn't do? What was it like coaching him? Uh, it was terrific. He's as advertised uh, for you that don't know. I mean, he's got an image, but uh, that's him. He's a terrific guy. He works on it every day. Uh, he listens to what you say. He works on his game. Anything you ask him to do, he's going to work on. So it, it was it was great fun. It's not like he came from out of nowhere, but he's got a tremendous story because they had Matt Flynn there, and he was able to beat him out and prove that he was the franchise guy very quickly. Very few guys have that ability, especially when they when it wasn't spotted right away as a third-round draft pick. Yeah, that was an interesting deal, and you have to give Coach Carroll credit. Russell, of course, at the end of the minicamp, Pete put it out there as, like, quarterback uh, competition is open. I like to remind Russ that uh, he threw eight interceptions in those three practices. <laughs> you know, and at the end of that, Pete thought he was so good that he opened the competition. Competition is always open at every position, but to publicly state it, yep. it's, it's like, you know, it, ha- it had some power to it. You know, it was a great way to emphasize his core belief that uh, competition it's all about competition. So despite those interceptions, you guys saw the ability, the raw ability, and you felt like it could get corrected and, and move on from there. Yeah, yeah. You could tell he had spark and all that stuff. And so we just we just went about it day by day. And he really wanted in the preseason games. He started, he was the third guy to go out in the first preseason game, the second guy to go out in the second one, and third game at Kansas City. We had Terrell Owens and Kellen Winslow on that team. At that point, and they both got released right. not longer. But he was in with those guys and started, and he was electric. And at that point, at the end of that game, uh, Pete said he's starting the first game. He didn't go past that. And in the first few games, uh, it was a game, game-to-game deal. It's like, should we go another week? Yeah, let's give him another week. Because we didn't start very well, and they're still going with him. At that point, what makes this opportunity, Coach, to be with the Houston Texans and Coach Deshaun Watson to be on the staff, what made this this spot attractive for you? There's a lot of things that are attractive about the Houston Texans. You know, we just won 11 games. I saw them the year before, and they were lights out. They had us beat in Seattle. They're blue. I like teams that are blue. (laughs) But the biggest attraction is my son coaches here. uh, He's assistant special teams coach. Last year, he came in with Coach Seeley. We go back to 82. I got him to go to NC State from Lamar right down the road. Those connections, and then I've known Coach O'Brien, not well, but I've known him for, for years. So I know, uh, have faith in what he's doing. Got the thumbs up from Coach Seeley. So that, that was the main attraction. Pete Carroll in New England versus Pete Carroll in Seattle. Was there a difference in the way he handled things, or how did that go? How did that differ, in your opinion? Total different job. Mm-hmm. So he had zero control at the Patriots, none. So he could just coach the team. There's no difference in him as a football coach. At Seattle, he and John do the personnel together. When you have your son and you have Tracy, do you ever think at some point, first of all, he'll be a football coach, and when he does become a football coach, hey, one day I'd love to be able to coach with him? Was that something you always thought about? And I ask you this as a coach's son. I always thought about coaching with my dad at some point, and I thought, you know, my dad and I are probably going to get in a fight on the sidelines. That's not a good thing. <laughs> did you ever Did you ever think that it could happen, that you would one day coach with your son? Really, no. It, he told his mom, he didn't tell me, when he was in the fourth grade that he was going to coach football. So somewhere in there she told me, and, and I've been working against it since then. You know, it's like yeah. 
And I couldn't get him out of football, so I was like, what about personnel? You know, those guys sometimes stay, you know, when all the coaches have to leave town. So, no, and then he, he wouldn't come off of it. But I never did think we'd coach together. All right, three quarterbacks I want to ask you about real quickly here that you've coached, and just give me a quick thumbnail on what you think is their best or was their best trait as a player. First one, Bobby Bear. Tenacity. Deep balls. He was a good deep ball thrower. Had touch on the deep ball, the go ball, and uh, tenacity. Okay. He's got quickness in the pocket. You, you'd think he couldn't move at all, but he, he had correct, uh, reactions, quick reactions. Did you understand any word he ever said to you? <laughs> My wife is from Lafayette, Louisiana, so. Yeah, he did. Okay. You had a translator at she's home. A, she's a Prejean. Her mama was a Mouton, so yes. Yeah, I, and Bear now a talk show host in New Orleans, Drew Bledsoe. Uh, let me go back to Bobby while I'm at it. Okay. So I actually saw him play in high school. So I recruited and uh, Coach O, Coach Ogeron. Yeah. yeah. They were teammates right there. And uh, I recruited Coach O. I did not recruit Bobby. Nobody recruited Bobby. Coach O was in my house. Anyway, he was just uh, Bebe Ogeron at the time. And you coached against Bear the USFL. Yes. Yes, I did. So I've known him way back. He grew like five inches after his senior year. Northwestern Louisiana picked him up. Bledsoe. Great arm. Mm-hmm. Fantastic arm. And Matt Leinart in college. Matt, let's see. Well, he was just a killer. We Everything worked there. Everything yeah. worked. We, we won the national championship by about 30 and won all our games. So that's why I had to leave. <laughs> of course. <laughs> won all our games and Leonard wins a Heisman Trophy. So I had to get the heck out of there. I cannot wait to see what we are in store for in 2019 with Carl Smith as quarterback's coach for your Houston Texans. All right, we get back. The name John is our final segment theme. You'll see what I'm talking about when we talk to outside linebackers coach John Pagano and receivers coach John Perry next with me, your host, John Harris, on Texans All Access. One final segment of this Friday edition of Texans All Access, our theme tonight, the Leadership Council. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter, and I'm stressing the name John, not because I like my name, but that's who we're talking to in this segment. Outside linebackers coach John Pagano and receivers coach John Perry, let's kick it off with the second year outside linebackers coach. John Pagano now, second year with the Texans. But John's been around for a while. He's defensive coordinator a few different places. His brother, uh, Chuck Pagano, is the new defensive coordinator with the Chicago Bears. Defense runs through the veins of the Pagano family. And Mark has known Chuck for a long, long time. When Chuck was an assistant coach at the University of Miami, Mark was there, so they've known each other for a good long time. And then Chuck became the head coach for the Indianapolis Colts. So we've known the Pagano family a little bit. It's been great getting to know John Pagano, outside linebackers coach in his second year. And I remember we first talked to him. He had maybe been here a couple of months, still trying to figure out where everything was. You get to your second year, just like a lot of players, coaches get settled in as well. Here is John Pagano, Texans outside linebackers coach. So, Coach, let me start here kind of in a weird area. It's not that weird. It's the break between minicamp and training camp. You've been in this a long time. Right. What do you do? How do you recharge the batteries? How much do you or can you unplug during that time? Well, I don't think you really unplug from it. I think the the day-to-day stuff that you've been doing in the offseason, but you, you never unplug. You're always thinking about certain things that you want to do during training camp, uh, ideas that, that, that you have uh, to get your unit 
you know, with the outside linebackers, uh, be able to do different things, always thinking of different types of drills uh, that we can um, uh, get used to doing. And, and it's that daily routine. But you really, you never really get away from it. You're always thinking about it. You're thinking about your teaching progression from how you want to introduce things from the install. You're always working on those little things. And then you, you know, you find time uh, for your family. Coach, you've been around the game, as Mark said, for a while. You've been to different places. But now you're going into your second year here with the Texans. How does that feel comfortability-wise for you? you know, your first year, you're still trying to figure out where everything is, where you're going to live, where yeah, your kids it, are going to go to school, it, all that. How is it the second year? Oh, it's, it, it, it's like you've been here for a while. Yeah. You know, you get in. I, I think the biggest thing is, is getting into a routine, what time you're waking up, what time you're getting here to the office, your daily routine, how you're setting up your meetings, certain things like that, where you're heading for. You know, last year when you come in new, you're, you're where's this, where are we going now, what yeah. is this, and you know, you get accustomed to the schedule that you have to, you know, get into that daily grind. And that's what we try to do with our players to get them, um, get them used to doing those, that same routine. And it's, it's like when we get out there an individual, you want those same types of movement, those same types of skills. So they're, they're learning exactly what I want even more from last year to be able to do the things that we do out on the field. John Pagano with us coaching outside linebackers. I always think of this as front seven. You have all these guys who operate in the front seven, and there's right. a lot of different movement going on. Correct. So how do you guys put that together collectively as coaches? Well, you know, everybody has that, you know, from the D-line to the inside linebackers, outside linebackers in, in that front seven. But the scheme is, all, you know, all built based upon, uh, you know, how Romeo sets the defense up. And then you, you take – what he says, and and you put those you know moving parts together, and it's it's very multiple, uh, you know, in our front seven to where you you need guys that have the ability to uh, drop into coverage and and be able to rush the passer. So it, it's been good from this standpoint, even going into my second year of uh, of truly uh, really understanding the defense, and then you know just keep building off that from what we did last year. Coach, obviously you have some veterans, but then you get some young guys that come in, whether they're rookies or they've, they've been around the league for a little bit and they come here. What's the most difficult habit to break for young players coming from college or coming from somewhere else that you have to try and teach them technique? What's the toughest habit for them to break? Um, I, I, th- I think the, the getting down to the basics. You know, I'm a big, uh, firm believer defensively of techniques, fundamentals, and effort. Effort's something that, that they can control by me, you know, making sure that they understand what type of effort we need. But the techniques and the fundamentals, and it, it starts with basic stance, and it starts with basic footwork. And it's those fundamentals and, and doing those drills every day to where they get accustomed how they need to step. It, the game is, it, is it's such a game of angles, and it's always taking that proper angle and just one little bad step. So I, I think coming into the league for younger players, it's always basically – those those attention to detail technique assignments of basic fundamentals of your footwork, and I think that's something that uh, you know you got to work at every day, and they're getting better at that. John Pagano with us on Texans Radio. Allow me to reminisce a little bit. Sure, you were on the Colts staff that had Peyton Manning when he was a rookie. Yeah. Right? So what was that like being on Jim Morris staff then? and seeing Manning going through what he was going through. I know you were a defensive assistant at the Correct. time, but you were there, obviously. Correct. Uh, it just see the growth. Just You could, from how he was day one, how he approached it uh, through, you know, through Coach Moore, the offensive coordinator, to mm-hmm. Bruce Arians being the quarterback's coach, uh, to see the growth that he had and and just his 
your work ethic. I mean, I remember being there late some nights, and all of a sudden here he is walking down the hall. He just got done with his film preparation, you know, of his of his rookie year, and um, just, just seeing that growth and and just how how, how smart, unbelievably smart he was, and, and just learning, uh, you know, seeing the things and seeing the different things he did at practice. It was it was it was good, and it was always you know the the being in the AFC having the opportunity to uh you know play those teams you just saw them get better and better each and every time coach your group outside linebackers it can be a diverse group depending on fronts coverages all that different kind of stuff but for you what do you like about that group and what's the one thing that you want to see them get Uh, better at every day well i just setting our daily goals techniques fundamentals and effort and that and that's something that we got to improve on every day And, and we go out there and we, we like to choose one or two things that we're going to get better at. And as we're walking off the field, we have an understanding that did we improve on that today or did we not? Do we need to keep working on those certain things? And I think, you know, the basic fundamentals of football can, whether it's my stance, whether it's, you know, my get off today and my false step and do I have the proper leverage? Do I have the proper, you know, footwork? And I think the biggest thing coming away is, is being able to set that edge. I think uh, the guys um, – you know, really take it uh, a pride and a passion on being edge setters, and that's something that we have to do. We can't let the ball outside of us. My second coaching job after being the head middle school coach, junior high middle school coach at Episcopal, I moved over to a school called Bishop Kenny, and I started coaching with a buddy of mine, Brady Ackerman, who is now the receivers coach at Jackson State. And Brady was looking for an outside linebackers coach, and he didn't know me from Adam, but I'd interviewed for the head coaching job there, and the AD was like, look, you need to hire this guy. And so he's like, oh, all right, I'll hire him as my outside linebackers coach. So I studied outside linebacker play, studied everything I could. So I, when I hear John Pagano talk about not letting the ball outside of us, I'm like, oh, my gosh. If there's one thing an outside linebacker has to do, cannot allow, he has to keep the ball inside. He cannot allow it to get outside the numerous times. What are you doing? You let the ball outside of you. Yeah, because, no, no, no. You have one job. It's like that Twitter account. You have one job. <laughs> so I hear that, and I'm just like flashing back. But good to talk to John Pagano. Now, let's keep the John theme going with wide receivers coach John Perry. Love talking ball with him. Could have gone on for about 25, 30 minutes with him or, or longer. We're, we need to do a full-length, full-on, full-show with John Perry, because there's so many different things that we could get into, including the fact that his brother, James Perry, younger brother, is not the head coach of my alma mater, our alma mater, Brown University. James' alma mater. James went to Brown, John went to UNH, uh, University of New Hampshire. But great talking to John, talking about the wide receivers, what he sees in this group in 2019. Here's John Perry. Welcome to Clements Rangers Hotline here <laughs> from NRG Stadium. Well, I just want to start here, Coach, because you have a son that plays quarterback for a local high school, Clements, and I know that you know you get there Friday night, you see the game. What is that like to be the coach of an NFL team and your son is playing the game for a big high school in Texas? Yeah, watching this uh, 6A football down here is really amazing. These, these coaches do a great job. They really prepare their teams. It's really fun. So it's nice to step back, honestly. And that's one of the huge benefits of being an NFL coach is that, you know, Friday nights you do kind of get your time to yourself. So, you know, Texas Friday night lights, I'm able to get to almost every one of his games. So Beautiful. It's been awesome. So how are you as a dad slash fan versus John Perry wide receivers coach? 
my guess is if you talk to my wife Jennifer, she she would have a different opinion. But I think I'm pretty mellow. I don't know. We'll see. She would probably have a different opinion, but we'll uh, we'll leave that for another show. Okay, so let me present a scenario because at my alma mater, we have a brand new football coach who you are related to. What would happen if your son would end up playing for your brother? How do you think that would go? <laughs> There'd be a couple of phone calls during the week. I mean, like, telling them, you know, hey, this is what you got to do. This is what you got to do. Yeah, we're really excited. My brother James, you know, I know Coach O'Brien was excited that when he got the job at, at Brown. And, you know, he was down here uh, about a week ago. And, yep. you know, he had a chance to come out and watch us do some OTAs. And, you know, we, we, we know he'll do a really, really good job there. John Perry joining us on Texans Radio. Okay, it looks like you have a really good group out there, very deep, diverse group. I know not everybody's able to practice because of injuries or whatever, but what do you think of the group overall that you're coaching right now? I, I think it's just a really good gro- group because, you know, when you look at DeAndre and Will and just the way they're approached this offseason, even from an injury standpoint, they're great in the training room. And then when they come into the meeting rooms, they're uh, communicative in, you know, in, in pointing out things to younger players and really absorbing some of the things that we're talking about anyway. So that's that's where it starts. And then, you know, uh, other than those guys, you really don't have any. And you know, you call those the veterans in our group, and they're both young players themselves. And then you know, you have uh, you know a, a good stock of young players. Um, that you know includes a lot of different guys and a lot of different skill sets. And and where is uh, we were very close last year to being where we want to be as a room in terms of, you know, skill side, skill set diversity, and uh, you know I think we're even getting closer with that. You know, with some of these college free agents we brought in, and and that's so critical in our room because if you just have every guy be the same, we can't take advantage of the defense we wanted the way we want to, and and so we're getting closer to having the full skill set diversity group, and and that's really exciting for me. Coach, you've been there every step of the way for for Will, and we started to see that last year, especially week two. He missed week one. He comes back in week two against Tennessee, and you could see that up until he gets hurt against Miami. What was so key to his progress last year, and what have you seen in his growth since he's been here? Well, one of the things we talked about, uh, you know, when when I first got into the receiver room was just, you know, just catching the ball on a consistent basis, and and he did a really good job of that two years ago, and then, you know, last year up until when he got hurt, he didn't have any – drops so we were really excited about that um the thing that we talked about last off season with him was just you know getting stronger and doing a great job in the weight room and just increasing his play strength and and the way i watched that out on the field as he grew last year was incredible and and the best thing about that is you know when i asked will i said do you feel stronger out there his his first initial reaction was like no and then i showed him some examples of where it showed up yeah and he was like wow you're right you know like some times where maybe he got out battled for the ball a couple of years ago where last year he was battling for that ball and so that's really encouraging for a coaching standpoint is just watching these guys like take a take the opportunity to look in a mirror and say this is what i need to do to get better and both those guys have done that in the time I've been here. And now you're starting to see that trickle down into a guy like Kiki Kuti, who's been out there every single day for us here in OTAs. And, you know, so like that kind of, you know, unspoken leadership from Hop and Will has really, uh, you know, going to pay a lot of dividends as we go forward. With QT and Vincent Smith, you're looking for a year one to year two jump here. So what about that with each of those guys? So 
a lot of pressure on those guys in terms of that because a lot of people talk to them about that, you know, year one to year two. So, again, I think the big thing is just making sure you look at yourself and say, okay, what are the things that I can get better at? And one of the things we really try to stress with Kiki because he's a very instinctual player is just saying, hey, we got to look at um, recognizing coverages fr- from that standpoint, doing that earlier, pre-snap, post-snap. And he's really worked on that both in the meeting room and on the field. And you get so many different looks from um, Coach Cornell that, you know, it just it, it makes it a lot easier for him to, you know, work on that. And then from Vincent, you know, the big thing is really just being able to be confident to know that, like, you know, last year I think the jump from Limestone to here was, you know, an enormous jump. So I think just, you know, feeling like, hey, I belong. And, you know, and then being able to, like, break down, okay, here's the things I need to work on, you know, from that. And and he knows that there's, you know, enough things there to fill all of OTAs, and, and he's really taking a great approach this, this offseason to doing that, and, and you're seeing some improvement there. So it's good. Coach, we appreciate the time. Best of luck. Thank you very much. Good to see you guys. Go Rangers. Yeah, look at Coach sneaking that in for his boy who'd be the quarterback at Clements this year. And I got Clements ties. My mom taught there when Clements opened up back in 83 or 84. And so, I look, Clements, Kempner, my mom was at both those places. So, Fort Bend District kind of pulls, tugs at my heartstrings a little bit. So, there you go. John Pagano, John Perry, Romeo Cornell. And Carl Smith, the leadership council for this team. Now, as we get ready for training camp, you're, we've got plenty of stuff for you. Mark's going to be back next week, and so we're going to crank it up and gear up for our Texas training camp live appearances, which will start on Thursday, July 25th. The team reports the day before, but that'll be the first day of practice. Mark and I will be out there bright and early, ready to go on that Thursday and carry you through the next couple of weeks. We'll be on the field at Green Bay at the practice field Getting ready for those practices against the Packers. We'll have you ready for training camp over the next few weeks. We cannot wait for all of that. It is here, folks. The month of July is here. We are 20 days away from training camp. It's less than three weeks. It's less than three weeks. You guys have a great weekend. We will see you again on Monday. Huge thanks to everybody that helped me out with Theme Week here with the Texans on Texans All Access. You guys are the best. Enjoy it. Have a great night, great weekend, and we'll see you on Monday. And as always, go Texans.